Jimmy, seriously, you're breathing right in my face. What do you want me to do, Claire? Not breathe? It's been ten minutes of us sitting face to face under our desks. We felt the building shake, and everyone hit the deck when things started falling to the floor. Bobbleheads fell off desks, pictures off of walls, and people dove under their desks. However, this also means that Jimmy has been breathing his hot Cheeto breath in my face for ten minutes. As much as I'd like to say, yes, stop breathing, I just look at my watch instead and start to emerge from under the desk. It's been five minutes since the last rumble. I think we should be okay to at least look out the window and see what the damage is. I don't bother to wait for Jimmy or anyone else in the office to stand up. I'd rather be knocked over by a falling piece of ceiling tile than feel Jimmy's breath on my face for one more second. Though as soon as people saw me standing, they started coming out from under their desks too. The office doesn't look too terrible. It almost looks like somebody picked us up like a snow globe and shook us for a second. I tried turning on my computer, but I met with a stubborn black screen. Checking my phone, there's no reception and no internet connection either. It seemed like everyone realized this at the same time, and the whole office started to panic. I'm not feeling great about the situation, but my dad has been doomsday prepping as long as I can remember. I used to think it was annoying, but right now I'm reaching back through my memories for anything helpful. I'd heard thousands of emergency lectures. I must have retained something useful. I'm still trying to think when I notice Maria, a mousy little woman, inching her way towards the window. Unsurprisingly, she faints as soon as she looks outside. A few people rush over to help her, and Jimmy takes a peek out the blinds himself. Holy! His voice trails off as he continues to just stare. I force myself towards it, trying to convince myself that everyone is just being overdramatic. It can't possibly be that bad. Jimmy just quietly steps aside, letting me look. His lack of snide commentary made my stomach sink before I even saw the orange glow of fire throughout the city. Buildings were on fire, telephone lines were down and sparking, the sky was cloudy and grey. It didn't even look like the same city as before. I can't tear my eyes away. There are people running through the streets, some just running, some trying to drive away only to crash their cars. The whole office is quiet as we take in the burning city around us. My dad, I think. What would my dad do? Then I remember there's a bag in the trunk of my car. It has an emergency radio, batteries, flashlights, water, and anything else my dad stuck in there. I push myself up against the window and try to get an angle on my car. It's just across the street at the base of the building where I parked. If I take the stairs, maybe I can get the bag and... What are you thinking? Jimmy interrupts my thoughts. You look like you have a plan. To my dismay, the whole office is looking at me now. I have an emergency bag in my trunk, I sigh. If I can get down to my car, there's an emergency radio that might give us some insight on what to do. Okay, great, let's go. He takes off his jacket and ties it around his waist. No, I can go alone, it's just right there. I point, trying to prove it's really not far. People are going crazy, and you don't know how stable the building is, so I'm going with you as backup. He puts him arms to his sides like a superhero or an angry grandma. Even his posture is annoying.
fine. I figure it's easier just to agree and let him tag along. Okay, everyone, he turns to address the office. Claire and I are going to get this emergency bag, so everyone just sit tight until we get back. He gives me a nod and strides towards the hallway. I follow behind him and mumble once we're out of earshot. Where else would they go? I'm just trying to be strong for the group, he whispers, and then sticks his foot out and gently taps the ground in front of him, presumably checking for weak spots. Okay, if you're going to test the floor every two steps, we'll starve to death before we even make it down the stairs. I push past him and to the stairwell. It's not even that he's wrong for checking, considering the cracks along the walls and floors. I would honestly be checking too, but the way he does it just annoys me, like he's making a huge sacrifice with every step. The stairwell is in good shape, and there's even a nice glow from emergency lights that's letting us see as we walk down. For a few moments Jimmy is quiet, keeping close behind me as we continue down the steps. There's an echo that sounds like a rock hitting the floor, and it nearly sends him tumbling down the stairs as he jumps. I have to bite my tongue not to laugh, but in the dim glow, he catches me grinning. You know this is like an emergency situation, right? It would make anyone jumpy. I just nod quietly, still holding my breath, trying not to laugh. It's really not that funny, and I can tell his feelings are hurt. Honestly. I just can't believe this is happening. It just doesn't seem real. My laughter bubbles over, and then I'm laughing so hard I have to sit down. Jimmy stoops down in front of me. Are you okay? His concern only makes me laugh harder, my stomach cramping from it all. It takes a minute for me to realize I'm crying too. We sit there for a few minutes as I catch my breath. Sorry. I turn to face Jimmy who's been kind enough to sit quietly beside me. It's an involuntary response to stress. I wasn't laughing at you. He gives me a look. Okay. I was laughing a little at you, but you're right. This would make anyone stressed out. It's okay, he says, as he helps me stand. I know I'm not your favorite person in the world. Well, you're not my least favorite person in the world if that helps. I give him my best smile, which isn't great, but it seems to do the trick. We finally reach the emergency exit door, pushing it open to see the cities descended into complete chaos. We start to back up into the building, but the ground rumbles beneath us, and the sound of cement cracking stops us in our tracks. Jimmy is pushing against my back, yelling, Go! Move! Thrusting us both onto the street. He's dragged me to the other side across from the building before I can even register what's happening. He's pulled me down into a crouch behind a car, and I look up to see our office building collapsing in on itself. Jimmy and I look at each other in shock. I'm trying to think of something to say, but Jimmy beats me to it. You know, I wasn't a huge fan of anyone in there anyway. He gives me a weak grin, an obvious attempt at morbid humor, and I can't help but chuckle. At the same time, I realize the car we're crouching behind is mine and pull my car keys out of my pocket to unlock it. We can't clamor into the back seat fast enough, both of us breathless with adrenaline. I reach over and tug on the bag in the back, bringing it up and over into my lap. Jimmy looks out the window keeping guard as I rifle through it, 
my hand is shaking when I finally get to the radio. In between bouts of static, we're able to gather that it's not just our city that's burning. The entire world has suffered from devastating natural disasters. What now? He's huddled so close to me, I can still smell the hot Cheetos. My dad has a bunker. He's a doomsday prepper. Great, let's go. He climbs into the passenger seat and gestures for me to come up front too. I wiggle my way into the driver's seat and grip the wheel, looking at the crumbled remains of our building one more time, and then back to Jimmy. He's already annoyingly drumming his fingers on the dash. I guess this is my company for the end of the world. I'm stuck with Jimmy.